Hey, can I tell you a secret? The secret to getting a great shave without any nicks, cuts, or irritation isn't three or four blades, a soap strip, or a swivel head. It's just supporting the blade. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just supporting the blade. Don't let it flex or bend. That's the secret to limiting shaving irritation. At Henson Shaving, we use our 20 years of aerospace manufacturing to keep the blade from moving. It's not the coolest answer, but it's the right one. To learn more and to get 100 blades for free, go to HensonShaving.com holiday. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Welcome back to our desert island. This is the place where we discuss the dramas that shaped us, that defined us, that we could not live without. Ten shows we'd be happy to binge on if we were stuck marooned on a desert island for X amount of time. I'm Luke, editor and runner of the website, thecustardtv.com. Thanks for joining me. Uh, Matt's in the northern area, just back from his stint on the island. Hello. And Gary's the one with facial hair having not washed since he's been back from the island. That's that's nearly true. Gary, he did his in a 10 to 1 countdown style with the West Wing undoubtedly coming out on top. Matt then took us through his television years with uh, shows like Six Feet Under, The Gilmore Girls, Teachers, The Killing... The Wire and, of course, Line of Duty all featuring, and I'm doing a similar thing now. Now, a lot of people will be waiting for this one to come out. I mean, a lot of people might have thought, Gary's list, yes. Matt's list, hmm. This is the gold. This is the one people have been really hanging on as the like, one Like, people... when you say gold, you mean, like, UK TV gold? Yeah, they're all from 1978. <laughs> or, or, or gold, as it will be, because that's the only currency going to be worth anything in the UK in about three weeks' time. Oh, topical on the topical. island. Topical. Satire. It's quite ironic that we're doing this while all this uncertainty is going on, that we're out the way on an island just enjoying yeah. telly and letting everybody else sort the problems out. Yeah. Which is... Which no, is well, but if we don't we get on... say it's uh, Canvey Island, but... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if we don't get on, can I Brexit you two? Well, there would have to be a vote You'll have to ask nicely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. okay, that could be a problem. These are the dramas that shaped us. Spinoza. Descartes. Hobbes. Locke. Freud. Adler. Young. Mayer. Sullivan. Pony. Pavlov. End of lecture. The dramas that defined us. As part of a new initiative christened Truth and Reconciliation, following a miscarriage of justice, parties are invited to engage in dialogue to initiate the healing process. There seems to be an oversight. Some of the officers involved in my wrongful conviction are missing. Superintendent Hastings, as senior investigating officer, represents the whole team. Well, I want them here. Well, this new box you need to take just... Won't get ticked. This is Desert Island Dramas. You still don't get it, do you? Huh. It's ain't about your money, bro. The boy gave you up. That's right. 
And we ain't had to touch his ass neither. From the team at the Custard TV Podcast. Some surprises on not on my list. All my favourite comedies aren't on my list. Funny <laughs> that. Um, <laughs> really funny that. Ha ha yeah. ha. <laughs> and also some shows that you've heard me champion on the podcast. There's no Scott and Bailey, and perhaps more importantly, there's no Happy Valley on the list. So you you sort of poo-pooed me, didn't you? When I didn't have Happy Valley on my list. Yeah, yeah. I wanted one of us to have and it. You two didn't like me when I said I didn't watch it. So who's right? Yeah, because it was too northern. Let's ask you the the big uh, sort of question, the elephant in the room, if you will. How did you get into watching television drama? Why is there an elephant in the room? <laughs> On the it's island? An island. It's an island. It's the <laughs> Who let that elephant in? <laughs> well, just to break up the monotony of watching telly to have an elephant around. Gotta eat something. I've always enjoyed it, and we moved to the States in 99. I don't remember watching much telly there. When we did, it was always sort of lacklustre reality show comedy stuff. But when we first got there, there weren't the cool shows that people think of now. I, we didn't have HBO and things, so I wasn't privy to The Sopranos or The Wire uh, at that point in my life. And uh, I remember there was an Only Fools and Horses special in 2001 that somebody videoed for me. And on the end of it was a drama starring Caroline Quinton, which I think they recorded by accident, uh, which was the first time I'd seen Sheridan Smith in something called Blood Strangers. And it was really well written, and it was really well done. And I remember thinking, oh, we don't really get that sort of thing over here. So I I used to get this friend of my mum's, or no, old neighbour of my mum's, who was in, in her 70s, and had, luckily for me, very little else to do, to video as much as she could. I would ring her on a Thursday when the new listings came out online and we'd go through, I'd like this on ITV at 9 o'clock, this at Channel 4 at 10 o'clock and so on and she'd do, record on long play so I'd get eight, eight hours of telly and I'd get that <laughs> video. You're very the kids out there that yeah. Yeah. long play. Yeah, there's, yeah there's, she'd there's, record there's on long play. There's a few things that might need describing. First of all, yeah. television listings. Uh, secondly, yeah. video recorders. And yeah. thirdly, so, long play. And also, and, it does remind me of uh, those scenes in the royal family where Nana used to ask it, Jim it to exactly take things that. for it. It was exactly that. <laughs> Um, was it Montel Williams? And, I, and that wasn't as easy as it seemed either, because I had to buy a, a special video machine, which was almost you oh, know, gosh, as big yeah, as a microwave. They are NTSC, and, and, and the UK is PAL, so I had to buy this special contraption that transformed the signal over. And it was just something for us to do in the evenings, and then I just really enjoyed receiving the the VHS tapes and learning about oh this is good because it's written by this person or and then I got to learn this is the production company and and then I was looking for episode guides of things online of things I might have missed because there wasn't very many UK television sites then and I happened to cross one called the custardtv.com and this was in 2003 and it was run by a guy called Paul, who I believe now works for The Guardian. All right. I asked if I could write or be involved in any way. And he says, I don't know about writing, because you don't see things quick enough. But you can edit our coming up page. And I thought, wow, <laughs> really good. So I would edit their coming up page, which we kind of had a version of now on the, on the site still. Uh, and just keep it up to date and make sure it was all right. And then 
slowly I found a way to to find the programs nefariously and could put them onto a DVD. I'd moved up progress. What happened to the <laughs> 70-year-old friend of your mother's? What, She's she still basically... alright. But do you know what I found out really, really recently? Because obviously we're talking about mid 2000 so she's now in her sort of mid 80s I found out recently that each one of those tapes and remember she was sending me at, at points during my fanaticism about three tapes a week and they were five quid a pop to send wow and you uh, were sending her five been. quid I take it yeah, be about no, it hadn't that, occurred to me. Pounds. Yeah, now because you had Jiffy back cause mm. that's postal brain is kicking yeah, yeah. into gear now <laughs> Because, you know, Actually, yeah, Jiffy Bags. Bit... How many tapes was she sending in one go? Well, remember they're bulky. <laughs> I don't want to get into the postal background of it. <laughs> but, you you know, thought but... you've opened the door now. Like. <laughs> <laughs> I've opened the door to the Royal Mail. I didn't mean to. No, there was Jiffy Bags and then, you know, all the postal to get it to the US. There yeah. was several. And then I don't... she didn't do recorded delivery, but I always got them. And, and it would just be the panic of not getting them. But also... Because I always said, fit as much... This is the bit that always used to irritate me, but it was my fault. I'd say to her, fit as much on these tapes as you can. And so she said, yeah, that's great. But that would mean that she would rewind the tape back a tiny bit to get the next programme on, make sure it fitted. But it would often mean that she'd cut the end off the previous programme <laughs> and it would just run into the next one. So you'd get a, you'd get a sort of a crime drama, a mystery drama, and they'd go... It was literally, and the person that did it was, and then it would cut into Ant and Dec's Saturday Night Takeaway, <laughs> and I'd have to look at it up online and find out what the end result what was. What happened in at the end of Midsummer or Yeah, no, it, it was never Midsummer, but it, 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 was bit, it was a bit trial and error back then, because I did want to know, you know, Inspector Lindley was on a lot, so I wanted to know what that was and quickly found out. I didn't like it. This woman provided you with the equivalent of Netflix and chill these days. She, she, not the chill so, so much. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's the Netflix. I mean, you're talking about a woman in her 70s recording an entire series of Big Brother for me over a summer. Really? Yes. Gosh. I mean, it was, it was abuse. Was it? It, all, all of them, pretty I mean, from, from the boring one, Big Brother 4, which we didn't think was that boring. Also, like, Fight had... Night, she got you. Yeah. So that was that, and then it became DVDs, and then I, um, and then I, you know, could do it myself. But by then I was been doing stuff for the uh, website, thecustardv.com, and then Paul said, "Look, I'm going off to do other things." I think he had, you know, social issues of anxiety and a bit of agoraphobia, and was in a lot when he set the site up so it was something for him to do and he overcame that and went back out into the workforce he said i can't control it i can't do it so much so will you and that's sort of it and then that was in 2008 and i didn't really know what to do with it at that point because although i could get stuff on dvd and i could download eastenders and things like that it still wasn't current enough by the time i'd seen it so it mm. kind of sat stagnant for a bit, and then I started to get invites to things after he gave me his email address book of all these people he'd made up. And then when we came back to the UK, I was like, all right. And I feel like the reason I can watch American stuff now and I couldn't then is because I really know the UK stuff inside and out. So at the, before then, I was like, I can't miss X, Y, and Z. I can't miss this. 
but now I feel like I know what things are, I can miss them or I can record them myself and, and watch other things and appreciate them properly. So that's it. Uh, we'll get to my Desert Island dramas in the You know what you said podcast. about the, the uh, intro? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> my school what no Freaks and Geeks was was the show was the school used in a NBC drama called Freaks and Geeks, which has sort of now got a cult following. Mark Paul Gosler, aka Zach Morris, used to go to the school I went to. That's it. Yeah, there's a lot. It's a lot of weird, you know, American connections to things. I met the Osbournes a few times. It's just, you know, really odd. The Gilmore but, Girls. Uh, well, that the Gilmore the Girls shouted at me. Not, not really American, though, to be fair. Well, I know, I know. Yeah. Well, that was the one. And so I sort of just learned about what I liked and what I didn't like, and then of course a lot of these things went away. She didn't have to record a lot of Lily. I didn't like that. So it just became about, you know, finding out what I liked, finding out what the family liked. And now I think, and I sort of was responsible for choosing all these things. So it was quite you a responsibility. You had listing, you know, so. Yeah, exactly. Um, so oh, how yeah, how is your list constructed? Is it a 10 to 1? Is it a journey? No, it's, is... a, it's similar to, to Matt's in a sort of a okay. then and now sort of scenario. Just because... If I put all these shows on the list, it's because I really enjoyed them and they really mean something to me. So I'm not going to, you know, I'd end up fighting over where such and such should be. But I want to assure people mm. that there are two shows on here that aren't British. There are three shows on here that aren't British. I feel like mm. I've, my horizons have been broadened, broadened such a lot of late. Um, and that's so basically to... what, what we're saying is I win. Well, you, you kind of yeah. do, I think. Yep. Yep. I, but that, I think that's, it's that's... take. You can you can you can press stop on the podcast now. I think everyone will be happy. I, I think but it's, interestingly, uh, <laughs> you've got two American shows on your list, and Gary had two British shows on his list. Yeah, oh, and I, I, I think it's taken being away from there to appreciate the show because American telly is not easy to watch. You know, it, I it must I being... must admit the first time I went to America, uh, well, the only time I've been to America, but I, I went with my uncle. Time. <laughs> Yeah, and <laughs> yeah, many times. Uh, we were both shocked at how many adverts there were in American television. Yeah, it's mm. not only uh, the and adverts. And how hard are... it made it to watch it. It's not only the adverts. It's that there are things jumping up and down across the screen telling you what's Well, there was that as well, yeah. Week. You have to have ADHD it? to watch American television, I think. Yeah. Is that a type of telly? Yeah. Like, yeah, that was before I do. do. That's it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So I don't think it'll surprise anyone that the first two on my list come from the same writer, and I think you know which writer mm. that is. Mr. Abbott. Um, no. Oh. <laughs> so I surprise. think you don't know, but it's the other one I, that I talk about, which is uh, who I got to meet a few years ago, Jimmy McGovern. Oh, okay. I was going to say McGovern, sorry. It was on in 1997. It's the first drama I remember watching. It was two years before we moved to the US, so that had no bearing on it at all. Uh, it's called The Lakes, and it starred mm. John Sim in one of the first roles I'd ever... I think it was the first thing I'd ever seen him in. And for a long time, I, until Life on Mars, I thought he was Liverpudlian because he just does such a great Liverpudlian accent in this. These aren't ordinary dramas. These are desert island dramas. Where are you going? The Lakes. Yeah. I'm Danny. It's an old English custom. If someone tells you his name, you usually tell him yours. 
I've got this gift, actually. A girl tells me a name and I come up with a poem about it, like that. Seconds. Emma. Some names take longer than others. There's a beautiful woman called Emma who sends Danny's heart into a tremor. But he's on a bus, so he can't make a fuss. Oh dear, what a fucking dilemma. And he plays a young lad who runs away from home, ends up in the Lake District. Much like Jimmy McGovern's stuff, he's a hard drinker, he's a, a gambler, and he meets up with this young girl. They fall in love, they have a baby, they get married really quickly, and he ingratiates himself slowly into the family, even though he's an outsider, they don't like him. He gets a job working, you know, within the lakes themselves, and... He goes off to place a bet on a on a horse race. Three young girls of eight, nine and ten get in a boat as a joke and end up dying and drowning. And he is made sort of the pariah of the of the community. But there are other people around. It's about loss. Come on, she was in this morning. Where is she now? She went out at break, sir. What did I tell you? What did I tell you all? Not to go out, sir. Exactly. Well, she's in trouble, okay? Susan Charles is in serious trouble. Where's Lisa Graham? Is she with Susan? Pauline, is Lisa with Susan? Yes, sir. And Paula? And Annie Quinlan? Yes, sir. Well, they're in trouble. Every one of them. Serious trouble. John Parr here. Can I speak with Mrs. Quinlan and Mrs. Thwaite, please? It's about the children. Oh, my God. There's more out there. Have you found the doctor? Have you found the doctor? Ambulance. The doctor will be quicker, found her. Now! What number? 5683. What? 5683! And even now, when I see people like Kevin Doyle and Robert Pugh and Elizabeth Barrington and John Sim, we always say, oh, that's him from the lakes, and that's going back to 1997. So it's, it's had a great impact on me. And it was only four episodes, 90 minutes each, mind you, uh, the first series. I think even now, if it was on now, it's the sort of thing that certainly Matt and I would be saying is is well worth a watch. I th I hope it would be up there with the best shows we talk about even now and it had a great 90s soundtrack a lot of cast on there I remember some early Manic Street Preachers and a sandstorm kind of there gosh yes it was that's exactly yeah I know I remember yeah I think it defined my 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 vision of what a good drama is because I remember watching it I wasn't really really young but I was about 14 and I remember the I'd never seen sort of grief on the television before, and of course it had the parents of these young girls who dr 
who drowned. At Henson, we're looking forward to the holidays, and that means more time in the kitchen. Now, imagine your trusty kitchen knife had a wobbly handle. You'd be nervous. Well, the same is true in shaving. Most razors on the market today don't support the blades well enough, allowing them to flex and bend. This is a source of razor burn. At Henson, we used our 20 years of aerospace manufacturing to solve this problem, supporting the blade so you can use it confidently. To learn more and to get 100 blades for free, go to hensonshaving.com holiday. Looking to give back this holiday season? Donate to the Army Historical Foundation. For 40 years, the Army Historical Foundation has ensured our nation never forgets the sacrifices of those who serve. As the Army's nonprofit partner, the Foundation constructed the National Museum of the United States Army. The Foundation's work also extends beyond the museum's walls, restoring artifacts, touring historic battlefields, and remembering all we owe to America's Army veterans. Donate today at ArmyHistory.org. And, and their grief, and it, it, because it was Jimmy McGovern, it wasn't shy of having that grief element in it and, and playing off it a bit. And then Kevin Doyle, who who played their teacher, was off, you know, about to kill his wife because he found out she was having an affair with, with the local chef. So he wasn't there when the girls were missing. So it was about, it was about a community. It was about how that community is affected by a, by a disaster. And it's something that if I read about now, I would still want to watch. Um, and I, I don't know why it's always stuck with me, but I, it's definitely the first drama I ever saw. And mm. I, uh, did you ever see it, Matt? No, I remember it being on, I think. It. As I yeah, said, I mean, though, I was more sort of into comedies yeah, first rather than yeah. dramas. So. And then there was a second series in 99... Where mm. they changed, it was the same people, but they changed the format. So it had gone from 90 minute to like a half an hour soap opera type thing. for oh, okay. in the area. And that was written by, not Jimmy McGovern, it was written by William Ma- William McInerney or somebody like that who starred in Silent Witness until quite recently. And it was okay, but it wasn't, you know, the lakes oh, as we what? knew it. So it's mainly series one, this one. Yeah, here. it is really. I think I think we could all watch that now and enjoy it. I don't know whether Gary would, but I think because it's Jimmy... Did you watch it, Gary, at the stuff. time? Do you remember I, it? I time? remember watching the odd episode. I don't remember watching all of it, but I do remember yeah. it, because I, I remember the cast tunes. And I remember yeah. watching John Sim at the time. I do remember yeah. it, but I don't, he was I don't very have young. the thing. He was in a... CITV series, I sort of remember. This was the show that that made him a British TV star, wasn't it? You know, mm. and, and you know he went. Oh, on... he was in something called Oasis, which was about a group of children who run an inner city farm. I sort oh, of I didn't remember know that. that. Made, made he... the team behind Biker Grove. Little well, by little, been... I remember it. Also yeah. starring uh, Dean Gaffney. Oh, it should have been a hit. Yeah, <laughs> but even, even now, when I see him. It, or when I see he's in something, I will mm. gravitate towards... I mean, the last thing he was in that I really thought, this is John Sim brilliantly, was Exile. I think Exile was yeah. a brilliant piece of television. And so the next one, staying with McGovern... Oh, I is, think I know where we're going yeah, now. It, it's obviously, it's not chronological in no. when they were on telly, because I had BBC America quite soon after we moved to the States, and they were showing uh, Cracker, which I had seen in the UK and not paid much attention to but then when I read more about it I read it was the same writer as the, and I thought I'll watch it and it was it just it, it still is one of the best dramas ITV have ever done mm. it was really deep 
the characters were were just really well drawn and felt again what I like in a drama they felt really real they felt like somebody you could meet and have a chat to the the language was very different because Fitz was a psychologist and I'd never come across one of those on the telly before it was unique in that that wasn't the way crime dramas were done at the time it was still very Inspector Morsey in that era mm. each story would be three episodes but then the next story would start but it would still have the same arc so you had uh, Fitz's police colleague uh, Jane Palhelligan being raped in one story but then it carried on into the next story of who did who was the rapist and all that sort of thing and then you had Fitz's wife uh, played by Barbara Flynn, uh, having an affair with his brother, and all these little side things that would carry along, carry on alongside the in-depthness of the crime stories. What I liked about it, it wasn't a who done it; it was sort of a why done it. And I liked, I like following the people doing these horrendous crimes and not thinking all the time, I wonder who's done this. It wasn't sort of a broad church where you kept in the dark. You were, and it often Fitz got the profile completely wrong, which was an interesting idea. And I, Christopher... I, go on, Gary, sorry. I was going to say, I think in that sense it was quite ahead of its time. Mm. I, I don't think shows at that point were, were, were more kind of dealing with who did it. And as you say, Cracker was a lot of why rather than how and who. Uh, and there was there was two shows on this list that when I watch certain bits of it, they still give me goosebumps. And Cracker's the first one where Christopher Eccleston, who'd played sort of the police chief, is killed quite brutally in mm. the first episode of series two by... I remember this. Robert, Robert I, I Carlyle. Think this, I think yeah, well, the Robert one Carlyle I've actually episode. watched. These aren't ordinary dramas. These are desert island dramas. Who are you? What do I look like? What do you want? What do I look like? What do I sound like? Sun reader. Fascist. Football supporter hooligan. Would you please tell me what you're doing in this office? This is Mozart, right? Piano concerto number 21 in C major. Yeah? Yes. This was my father's. He fought for this country. Africa. Egypt, France, Italy. He died a week ago and there was ten people at his funeral. You know why there was ten people at his funeral? Because he was only a white, working-class man, so he didn't matter. He didn't bleed matter. I'm sorry. You're sorry? Yes. I was going to kill a Sun reporter. I am going to kill a Sun reporter. But meanwhile, you'll do. The dramas that shaped us. Robert Carlyle played a sort of a, a racist... He'd been affected by Hillsborough. He was at Hillsborough yeah. at the time. He played a, a racist football fan, a skinhead, who was unhinged and killed... Christopher Eccleston's character quite brutally and, and you there's a scene where he chases him through a supermarket and then sort of confronts him in, in his own living room and ends up stabbing Christopher Eccleston and there's a great scene which in true Jimmy McGovern style is dramatic without being 
melodramatic where Christopher Eccleston is saying this is a dying man's statement get the bastard he's he's running this way and then he dies in the street Luke's Desert Island Dramas you're a DCI I'm gonna kill a lot of busies but I thought it started at the top please help me <laughs> well I'd like to but I'm a bit pushed you know how it is I've got a wife and child I had a wife and child once Barbara took control. Control receiving. I've been stabbed. Stay your position. Over. I don't know my position. I chased the man from in his house. Can you see a phone? Over. No. I'm going to the front. I'm losing a lot of blood. Moving makes it worse. Letters, envelopes, something with an address. Nothing. Every time I move, it opens up the wounds. I'm dying. In the Where did you chase him from? Supermarket, Bridge Road. We're out for about half a mile. All units proceed to within half a mile of Bridge Road. He's bald. Brown eyes combat. Yeah, I can get the bastard. Ah. Is there a street sign or a landmark? Anything like that? <clears throat> Nothing. <sighs> There's nobody in the street. That's not a bloody soul. This is evidence. This is a dying man's statement. I know what a defence lawyer will try to do. I'm of sound mind. I'm frightened, yeah, I don't want to die. I'm frightened, but I'm thinking straight. He had a photocopy of Nolan. Knock on a door. Pinned to the wall. Knock on a door. fully intended to kill me. He Knock stabbed me. Door. I can't get up the steps. He stabbed me in cold blood. Get this bastard, Jimmy, okay? For me and Katrina. Get my bastard. Jimmy McGovern is just when he's passionate about a subject it really comes through and it's not patronising and he doesn't beat you over the head with it and you really feel like you're watching something with depth and with opinion wrapped round it. Um and of course he left the show, then Paul Abbott took over, so I became interested in who Paul Abbott was. I would hope that like every show on everybody else's list, that if you got the Cracker Box set, that mm. it would still hold up today. And I think it would, only because it deals with themes that were still coming across today, hatred and racism and, and football hooliganism and rape and all these yeah. other things that things are come sadly, back sadly universal, which is a shame. I really do remember that Robert Carlyle episode very vividly, because uh, he was terrifying. You know, and and I think yeah. that's what again propelled him into kind of superstardom as well because but, it was such a great, such a great part. The criminals, as it were, who were doing these terrible things, they were sort of humanized. So even though you didn't agree with what Robert Carlyle thought or did, you could they showed you his background, they showed you why he was this sort of person. Instead of saying yeah. this is the villain, this is who you're supposed to hate. It was sort of like, this is a person who's been let down in his life. He lost his job. He couldn't get over Hillsborough. And that's what turned him into this awful person. Then, of course, Jimmy McGovern himself, a big supporter of the Hillsborough families and wrote the drama uh, on ITV Hillsborough, which was on uh, a few years ago. Oddly, all three of us have had dramas on our list that are coming back this year or next year. Oh, I... Gary had Twin Peaks, Matt had the Gilmore Girls, 
and you could probably guess I've got cold feet. What the hell were you doing? Me? It's you who reversed without looking. Yeah, at about five miles an hour. You didn't have to ram me. Excuse me, but whose car is touching whose? Oh, terrific. A woman driver with a woman's logic. And a man with shit for brains. Tell me, were you starved of oxygen at birth? And who was your driving instructor, Stevie Wonder? This was one that, for me, at the time, personified why I preferred British drama over American. It had humour and it dealt with real real things in a way that I think the British do far better with with the sense of humanity and the sense of uh, humour that, that Americans probably still don't quite balance out in their dramas. And Cold Feet is is the other one that I talked about that gives me goosebumps. Again, it dates it, but when you see Helen Baxendale fumbling around for that cassette tape and you know what's coming, it really sends shivers down you because, mm. of course, she died in the final, in the penultimate episode of the fifth series. I saw Cracker in the Lakes multiple times. I must have seen this multiple times as well because it was a very easy watch and you sort of grew up with the characters. I think for me the star ended up being Hermione Norris because she she went through such an, an up and down um roller coaster in the relationship with David and in her character who went from somebody who was this prim and proper mother of three and then became an alcoholic then be, was divorced then got back with her husband then was an alcoholic again and and she just felt really genuine James Nesbitt I've always liked uh since then I think he's a little perhaps a little overexposed or was previous John Thompson I don't know I'd have to re-watch it again to get my head around whether I like John Thompson favorite play I didn't really like Robert Bahur was brilliant because there was mm. more to that character than than people perhaps gave him credit for it just personified why I like English drama because these people were to me weren't characters on a TV drama these were real people who you could relate to they were people who behaved the way you'd expect people to behave and none of it felt really you know dramatized so much i think to an extent we we're still good at that i think i mean happy valley is an example of that i think but i think we're going in for the bigger more concept dramas <coughs> now and we've perhaps lost that a tiny bit okay, i'm not a massive fan of of romantic dramas per se but i do like dramas that are led and based in humanity yeah, i think you asked us the same uh about our shows are you worried about it coming back much like you with with um with twin peaks i just hope i don't look back on it and go i really liked it but i wish they hadn't done that reboot i hope gary you would watch the first one of this new series that's coming up in september not, not, just to not. get a flavor of it just to get a not, just not. to get a flavor no. Why, no, why do you the, say not a chance? I absolutely hated this programme when it was out. Do you remember why? It was boring. It was a soap opera, as far as I was concerned. It oh, was, no. It was, it, it, was, no, it no. was a soap opera, as far as I was concerned. Nothing happened. I didn't like the characters. I did not identify with any of them. I didn't like it at all. I will, you, you will not be able to send me enough money to make me watch this programme. I'm sorry, it's, it's one of my bugbears. The episode that I remember, the one where say. he found out he had testicular cancer, James Nesbitt, yeah. and got yeah. the uh, taxi ride with Ricky Tomlinson, 
I thought that entire yeah. storyline with the testicular cancer was very well handled. And I remember showing this to uh, one of my sister's American boyfriends at the time, and and because he, he said to me, "How come you never?" He said it in American accent, but you're gonna have to forgive me for not doing that. How come you never watch any of our stuff? How come I always come in here and you've got some? I think he called. I forget what he called it, but some hoity-toity. No, some hoity-toity English drama on. And I said, well, just watch a couple of these, you know, I'll sit with you and explain anything that's perhaps a little bit, you know, UK slang that you might not get. And it ended up watching the whole thing and was so distraught when Helen Baxendale was was killed that even to this day he can't watch the episodes of Friends where she turns up. Because he was... was He's pretty bad in those episodes, to be fair. Because it completely blew his mind that, that... anyone would think to kill off a major character in such a brutal yet normal way and really affected him and I think it changed his perception as well. As I say, we said about the Gilmore Girls, it was what they call sort of low stakes drama, wasn't it? Yeah, Yeah. perhaps. I mean, more happened in this, I would say. It was about the development of the three relationships and I think if you don't like drama about relationships, then you're not going to gel with cold feet. The box sets to binge on our desert island. In one amazing collection. These are Luke's desert island dramas. It doesn't get any better than that. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes for the latest episodes of the Custard TV podcast. The next one is one I don't think either of you have seen, but it's one that's always stuck with me again. It's from 2004, and this this I didn't get on VHS because the person then didn't realise, the 70-year-old lady didn't realise she had BBC Three, um, <laughs> which is where it well, I know what it's, it is, I know what it's it is. It's the first show on the list from Jed Mercurio, you can guess what the other one is. This was a medical drama called Bodies. Bodies blew my mind. As a family, we've always liked medical documentaries, you know, Great Ormond Street, 24 Hours in A&E, even the lighter stuff like Children's Hospital in the 90s. But I'd never seen anything on telly, medical-wise, that that replicated that. You know, that wasn't casualty where people were, you know, doing all falling sorts of ladders. silly things, falling off ladders into toasters and then on, you know, in, into a canal. Hammers it, hammer, falling off ladders into toasters and then hammering nails into their hands. And... Looking back on it now, there are real connections between it and line and line of duty because it. It's not so much about the medical cases. It was about the sniping within the NHS and the colleague, the inner colleague. So Max Beasley, who uh, is the lead in the show, is brought on as a registrar to top surgeon played by Patrick Ballady. He was sort of second in command to Patrick Ballady's character. Dr. Roger Hurley. Dr. Roger Hurley, who was, you know, poster boy for the hospital. He was a really well-spoken, eloquent doctor, but ultimately someone who makes a lot of mistakes and who gets his colleagues to cover up for them. Sir, did you do many sterilisations in your previous post? Good for you. Good. You know what's a lap and die? Gillian Campbell, G88895382740, laparoscopy and I. You sure? <laughs> yes. Someone bring me the notes, please. Sterilization. Lap and I for subfertility. We saw on the ward round. Rob? Here in Key West, we were out before it was in. 
In this open and inclusive paradise, you can be yourself, make new friends, and savor our live and let live vibe. With LGBTQ plus friendly accommodations, our legendary nightlife, and year-round activities and events, it's always a good time to come as you are. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You happy? The list wrong. Okay, correct the theater list, please. Okay, back to work, everyone. Music, please. I do beg your pardon, right? Is that it? This patient's desperate to get pregnant. You came within a whisker of sterilizing her. We'll deal with it later. Anyone? Mr. Lake, do you know who's responsible for this cock-up? Sorry, first day. Scalpel. Shall I report this as a new I just said we'll do it with a slater. And you realised as soon as he got into surgery that he had no idea what he was doing. He had no idea how to do it. Um, he wasn't a very competent surgeon. Everybody else in the hospital knew it, but he was a good face for the hospital. So Max Beasley, as his junior, had to take on all his work. Then there was Keith Allen as uh, Dr Tony Whitman, who was just above... Patrick Ballady and knew that that Patrick Ballady's character Roger was this incompetent person and so was always trying to undermine him but but all of the medical stuff was just done with so much just, just so much like reality research, that, yeah yeah well he was, worked well, of course he, he was a doctor he was a doctor Jed Mercurio was he a doctor done, or was he yeah oh, I he didn't was know a doctor that. and he'd done cardiac arrest prior to this which I to this day have still never seen um, but Bodies was the first thing I saw of his and it's it's really brutal, it pulls it, you know, it pulls no punches it is he worked really... in the army didn't he, it says here he's uh, yeah. undergraduate at the University of Birmingham Medical School enlisted in the Royal mm. Air Force and underwent pilot training with the intention of specialising in aviation medicine These aren't ordinary dramas, these are Luke's Desert Island Dramas You've been Roger's registrar for how long is it now? Surely you must have cause for concern. He's just delivered a healthy baby from a healthy mum. He was appointed based on his research in ovarian disease. That and the funding that he brings to the hospital. He isn't experienced enough in general obstetric practice to hold the post of consultant in ONG. You ever made a mistake? Have I killed someone? <laughs> I've been a doctor for 13 years. Of course I have. Well, then, with all due respect, who are you to point the finger? Every doctor makes mistakes. But everybody in this hospital knows that Roger makes mistakes again and again and again. Roger Hurley may be a good guy. He's just not that good a doctor. The dramas that shaped us. Apparently he wrote a dark. novel first. It was based on a novel that he wrote. Yeah, it was very dark, and I really wish you'd both seen this, because I think Gary particularly, if you love Critical, which was 
from Jed, but almost the antithesis of bodies. I think there's some. Well, I, I, I'd be really honest. I don't think. Yeah, well, let's be honest. Neither you, neither you two gave critical the time I did. So I, I think that's a little unfair. But I will concede that you know you've talked more fondly about bodies than I will about critical. It's the first medical drama that I thought feels like you're watching a documentary because it wasn't all about this. She's losing blood. Clear, clear. Stand back. Clear. It wasn't all about all those medical drama cliches that you that you're familiar with it was just very methodical really well done is one that i don't think matt thinks that fondly of i don't think gary would care that greatly of it but it was the first time i'd sort of sort of stepped out of my comfort zone with drama in as much as it was i was watching people that weren't like me and i know that sounds really demeaning to to the you know, to anyone, but I, I like to watch things. So about you saw people. yourself in the cast of Cold Feet, yes? Well, no, I, I saw people <laughs> I knew in the cast. I could, re- you know, people I knew in the cast of Cold Feet. But in the next one, it was like watch. It was. Oh, I think I know so, what it is. It, I think I know. Go what on, it is. tell me, tell me, because I want to know. It is. It's shameless, and on paper. I shouldn't have liked this. It was full of bad language, which I was... I'm still adverse to in a drama. I don't think you need it. If you're writing well-drawn-out characters and things, they don't need to F and Jeff to get their point across. Fiddlesticks, you hate that, don't you? I hate fiddlesticks, yeah. And on paper, I shouldn't have liked this at all. It was full of sex scenes, and and, uh, I remember thinking, oh, my God, this 70-year-old woman will have just fast-forwarded a tiny bit <laughs> and caught the end of this and gone, what the hell is he watching this for? When I talk about Shameless, I'm talking about what I call its glory years. So the first yeah. five series um, of Shameless before it became sort of a parody of itself. Again, Sitcom, we're going back... Like a bit like Teachers, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, like... but it's don't, mean, closest... you don't mean the American remake with William H. Macy then, Shame. Which apparently is, is still going guns blazing, but I've never really been able to give it a proper go. Because I can't disconnect it from our version, but I might do one day. Shameless was about a council estate, the Chatsworth estate. It was the first time I had seen people like James McAvoy and Anne-Marie Duff and Maxine Peake uh, and Dean Lennox Kelly and David Threlfall and the young cast who, at the time, I thought were brilliant. But it it was sort of it was autobiographical of Paul Abbott's home life. He grew up very very poor with a lot of siblings raised by his elder sister after his dad was a bit of a layabout and a letdown his mum disappeared when he was really young and so he grew up on this council estate sort of lawless and there was elements of comedy there that was drama it felt again it felt very gritty but very real but I found myself quite quickly identifying with the predicaments these people were in and actually caring about them and when you mention shameless to a lot of people they will reference the Shannon Matthews case which was a girl who was reported missing and then found in her aunt's house but that idea for them to get a bit of press and hide the child away came from an episode of Shameless where Rebecca Ryan's character young Debbie found a young boy wandering around of about four years old wandering around liked the look of him took him home to play with and dress up and mess about with and then all hell broke loose saying this kid was missing and they had to smuggle him back into uh, the party it was sort of done comedically but the Shannon Matthews family 
since came out and said, well, we got the idea from Shameless because they got a lot of recognition on the news and things and they liked that idea of being in the spotlight for a bit. He was just laughing with them and playing with them. I couldn't see the faces. It's not fair. Hey, hey, what wasn't fair? Everything. So, I nicked something. You... <laughs> From the party. <laughs> Jesus, Debbie. We aren't nearly stopped then. Give it a rest, Debs. We've all done it. You, right? Well done for owning up, but don't try it again. Definitely not of confessions is your strong point. (laughs) 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 Now listen to me. No, listen to me. Where do we get information? What are you called? Come on, what are your names? Jackie and Stuart. Right, Jackie, Stuart. Believe me, faster we get information, faster we know what to do. Now, there's a team on the way and we need precise details. When did you last see Jodie? Half twelve in the garden. Age? Three next week. Kid, up the street. Snatched. Thinner. Oh, God help us. Jodie. She was outside the gate. No one was watching. Debbie, did she walk up to you and you just spotted her? And you're happy that we found you when you were looking for your mum on the street and you'd no idea where she belongs, so you brought her here. So that we could help you? No. She had a party bag, John. So why'd you take her? She was crying for her mum. Where was her mum? Nobody cared. They will now. Fuck's sake, this is all we need. Are you right in the bloody head? Hey. Oh! Fiona, calm down, all right? Kids get lost all the time. We just, we take it back, we take it back and we say... We're going to take you home, aren't we, Jodie? Hey, what's going on? It's OK, Angela. Me and Ian were just having a laugh. You're still doing insurance claims, Lee? What are you after? I'm thinking, I wins, March the 18th. Ariel goes through the roof. For Christ's sake! Any more to two floors down, that's uh, two ceilings, three carpets, and then I can tell it. Do you know how much aerial weighs? No. Let's say the chimney went. Chimney then? How much do you charge? Right, ten for the forms filling in, twenty when the claim's paid, plus labour for pretend rubber because you don't actually have a chimney. Paul Abbott left the show. It was his baby, it was his life story, a, a, a skew on his life story. And so when he left, it sort of became. Well, it wasn't about any. It was about. It wasn't about anything really. By the end, Anne Marie Duff went on and did other things. She married James McAvoy whilst, whilst they were filming this. Um, James McAvoy went off and did big things. Lord King of the Scotland. Ki- the kids. The kids obviously grew up and and went away, uh, and lost their sort of cuteness that all child actors have. They sort of went off and did their own thing, and it became less about the original family, the Gallaghers. And more about sort of the surrounding areas. Tina Malone. Uh, Tina Malone, and even past that, you know. And there was some great groundbreaking, or in my eyes, some great groundbreaking stuff in there. Ian was a young gay character who was working with, um, uh, in a corner shop run by. Chris Bisson. Chris Bisson, who was an, an Indian character. And they had a, a, a gay affair, and that was quite groundbreaking for me at the time. Mm. I mean, that. I remember but watching the first series and quite liking it, but I think I just mm. sort of fell out of... 
it's not yeah. something that I ever carried on with. And as you say, no. it just sort of dragged on. It's sad because it's one of those shows that in its first five series, maybe even to the early part of six, it was still one to watch and talk about. And then it just became like so many other shows before and after it where, oh, is this still on? You know, and that's a shame. And I did tune in for the final episode, which was only a few years ago, when Anne-Marie Duff made a brief appearance. But its best years were behind it after Series 5 and, and certainly Series 6. But I just think it, it shone a light on a, on a side of the UK, which doesn't actually get shown a lot on telly. Even now, doesn't get a lot of, of uh, showing on TV. Perhaps it does in documentaries, but certainly not in drama, the big budget dramas the BBC and ITV are making now. It was an era where Channel 4 were doing more of these comedic dramas, so it was on at the same sort of time as Teachers and, and other things, and Queer as Folk had not long finished, and so Channel 4 had cornered the market on that sort of thing. Gary never saw it ever? Ew. One day we have to do a whole podcast on this list of shows you've never seen. Is it a physical list you have a copy of? There is a list of shows I want to see. This isn't on that. No, I know it wouldn't be, but I'd love to know what is. Because oh. maybe Matt and I one day could go through them and say, well, you don't need to really see that. Focus on this. All right. Um, we'll, we'll sort so it out d- one day. So we're jumping from sort of 2004, 2008, all the way up to 2012 where I decided to put Line of Duty, because it did start in 2012. I'm talking about all three series, but specifically the first series, I think. It was just before the Olympics, mm. and I was I was back in the UK knowing I was coming home, and I'd, via email in the US, been in contact with a lot of the BBC press officers. I didn't know what one was. I emailed one and it opened up a whole connection with these people. And I went round Television Centre in 2012 and met all these people. And there was a show on with Christopher Eccleston called Blackout, I remember. And it was on the same week of Line of Duty. And this this one press officer, who I shan't name because I think she still works at the BBC, uh, was promoting both Blackout and Line of Duty. Hated Blackout and loved Line of Duty, and that hoped Blackout wouldn't do well, and Line of Duty everyone would be talking about. And the, I remember the whole of the the press office was talking about Line of Duty and how to get the word out and how it was one of the best dramas they've had to work on uh, for such a long time. And for us to still be talking about it now, and again, it's not one we need to dwell on overly because um, we've done it over and over over to death on our podcast and it's on Matt and Gary's list but I think whenever I watch it I just think it's so clever it's one of those shows that I think it's just so it's clever smart. it's smart isn't it Let, let's face it one of the things that we all like about it is that it you have to pay attention it feels like you are more intelligent for knowing what's going on yeah you feel like you've spent an hour with somebody who's crafted this perfect show that doesn't explain anything to you that you really have to be invested in and you feel when it finishes like really satisfied and better off for seeing it and the fact that we've got two more series that we know of to come is is just brilliant the fact that it's moving to bbc one worries me just a tiny bit but maybe that's just my i can't see what will change moving it to bbc one to be honest i can't see what the creator and the style of the show will change 
other than I think it will, you know more people will see it. I mean, I've been editing Matt and Gary's list, and Gary calls it bet one of the best. Well, British drama at its best is what you referred to it, and yeah, it would well, be hard. Even though you said it, it would be hard to find fault in that. I I suppose it's the next one is sort of during that same trip, which was when I went to my first ever screening, and I was around people that I knew off the telly, but I'd never been in that room before. Well, Matt, Matt and Gary will both know, having been to these screenings, that what happens is you get ushered into a room. Everybody but you seems to know everybody else. <laughs> yeah, apart from when uh, Gary was in Endeavour. Well, yeah. But well, no, yeah. I had a mobile phone, which was like a Tesco pay-as-you-go phone, because we were on holiday and I needed to contact people. Were you the caddy? <laughs> Maybe. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't a burner phone. It was a just burner, a phone. A Tesco burner phone. <laughs> yeah. I decided, look, everybody knows one another. I just look like a real saddo over here in the corner. What I'll do is I'll pretend that I'm on the phone. So I, I did the thing of opening it was a flip phone I think and I, I pretended to ring someone and every now and again when somebody would look over at me uh, I'd just go oh, yeah, well that's, that's, that's a good point yeah yeah well I will do that and it was completely fictional and then I remember it being really quiet and I was at this point I was acting I was in the role and I was going yeah that'd be a good point well call me afterwards and the phone rang Nice. and I jumped out my skin because I had it right near my ear and I remember all the people turning around and looking at me, and I felt far, far worse than if I'd just sat there quietly. And I remember um, meeting one of the stars of the show and being covered in shortcake biscuit and thinking, this isn't going too well. The show's called Last Tango in Halifax, which, again, Gary refers to as the old people's show. These are Luke's Desert Island Dramas. Oi! Sorry, it's emergency! Jeez! Gillian! That was the most selfish, mindless piece of driving I have ever witnessed. Oh, it won't be a minute, love, then you can have it. You could see I'd got my reversing lights on, you could see I'd already started manoeuvring. Yeah, well, if you keep your air on, I'll be less than 60 seconds. That idiot, snotty bitch. Oh, you can let her talk to you like that. Mum, you're all right. Fine. This must be Alan. Yes. How'd you do, Aunt Caroline? How'd you do? Thank you for staying with her till I got here. No. We're going to have to go some brain-dead, low-life trailer trash still my parking space. And you've met my daughter. Sorry? Gillian, this is Celia. And Caroline. Hello, Celia. I've heard a lot about you. I've met Caroline. Right. The dramas that shaped us. It was special to me because it was the first show I'd ever seen before anybody else. Normally I was seeing things after everybody else it was a complete opposite to what i assumed it was going to be and i think what a lot of people assumed it was going to be i've seen Anne reed several times since then and she still remembers me and still comments on oh, oh it's you from which is nice it's you I from like the, the biscuits man. it's you biscuit yeah. boy yeah it's a show that even now people think they know what it is and it isn't what people think it is it isn't about old people in love at all it's far more than that. It's almost like a... 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. A family drama, isn't it? Because they... They sort of focused on the daughters in the second series more than Nicola Walker, Nicola and, Sarah Walker and Sarah Lancashire. Yeah, and, and they're quite dark. Mm, and their relationships and their pasts and things like that. And the Anne Reed and Derek Jacobi characters almost became sort of secondary characters in a way, even though they were the impetus for everyone getting together. As you say, really well written, really well done, um, and just the characters you sort of gravitated towards, I think. And... The next one is one I know Matt's never really given much credence to. I know Gary hasn't really stuck with. My list is not coming out good for you two, uh, but it is one that I that I remember being initially not bothered about, slowly bothered about, and then completely obsessed with. And it's the first time my my views towards certain things change and that's Breaking Bound. The dramas we couldn't live without. These are Luke's Desert Island Dramas. I watched the first series of this due to peer pressure. Normally I don't go in for that. I say a show is for me or it isn't, but this was the sort of turning of going... Well, so many people can't be wrong about one programme. There can't be just all this furore about a programme and it's just me that doesn't get it. So I decided to watch it, watch the whole first series and thought, yeah, but I'm not really that bothered about seeing where it goes. Then I watched the second and I was like, yes, it's growing on me, I like it. Then the third. By the time I got to the fourth series, I was trying to find reasons to watch it again more and more and more and I was trying to find gaps I remember being up till midnight watching this and and waking up early so I could it gets under your skin in a way that I don't think shows do I mean it really does get under your skin because it it's a show much like another one I'm going to talk about in a moment where the characters start off one way and develop into something else and you just you've grown with them and you can't believe how these people have changed do you know what would happen if i suddenly decided to stop going into work a business big enough that it could be listed on the nasdaq goes belly up disappears it ceases to exist without me no you clearly don't know who you're talking to so let me clue you in I am not in danger, Skyler. I am the danger. A guy opens his door and gets shot, and you think that of me? No. I am the one who knocks. These are Luke's Desert Island dramas. Oh, it, it really does get under your skin. And I keep going to re-watch it, because I've only watched it once. And I keep going to re-watch it and just thinking, 
what if I don't enjoy it as much the second time? Because somehow I I managed to avoid all the spoilers and all the chat about it and just watched it, you know, on Netflix in one go. And I just remember thinking, wow, people were not wrong. And actually, more often than not, if people are raving about a show, unless it's, you know, something obscure, then, you know, all these people can't be wrong. And they're not. Breaking Bad is one of those shows that... If you've stuck with it, then it rewards you. It has a satisfying conclusion. I, I want to watch it now and not tell you what the final two <laughs> shows are because it, it's so. And it annoys. Well, it doesn't annoy me because again, there's no right and wrong answers when you're watching telly. But how Gary could pause it when he got to the stage that he did and go, Gary I'll go pauses back to everything some point. apart from uh, Fringe, which he seems to have watched. Do you feel like throughout this top ten, we're being told off a lot by? by no, me. no, I'm not <laughs> telling you. I just, like, I, I was, no, I was not telling you. There's running themes through Luke's top ten. Number one is a lot of it is based on writers and that he likes or show creators. Yes, they are. I will, I will give you that. There's a lot of affinity with things he's either been to or been involved in in some way. Uh, yes. You know, there's a personal dialogue yes. along with each show. Yes. And thirdly, I feel like we're being told off for not having had the same things as me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Why yeah, didn't yeah. you go to that same screening that I was at? You're right, actually, in terms of the writers, because Breaking Bad, yeah. though it's a US show, Vince Gilligan was in charge all the way through. You mentioned him uh, on the X Files. Well, yeah, he was, a, he was a, a writer on the X Files. He was the writer and the showrunner of this, and he took it all the way through. There was no doing the Jimmy McGovern and Paul Abbott and leaving halfway through. It was his vision, yeah. and it was one of those shows that never comes along where you feel like they knew what they were doing at the beginning, and they took it all the way to the end, and they knew what they were doing. When you're watching it as a viewer, you think, that makes perfect sense, I can believe that. It never went over the top. It was brilliant. It's Breaking Bad. Go and open your frigging tin, Matt, and, and start it. And it I, was I, off. I, I agree with you that you'll watch the first series if you, if you do, and go, yeah, I... Yeah, I get it, but but if you can get past that, and I know it's hard, but the first series is, is six episodes, and if you can get into a momentum of watching it, yeah. then I think you'll get to my. I've tried, uh, but I've I tried know. the first episode twice. The reason I've paused it is I think it's a show that can be paused because it is so good. I mean, See, I'm not I'm not going to well, deny it. I disagree that it has to be watched like a binge watch. I don't believe for me it's a binge watch show. I liked to dip in, watch a few episodes, dip out again. There were some storylines that I really liked. There's a great storyline where Jesse, his girlfriend, played by Kristen Ritter. That's super. And, that, and that's a great storyline and how it ends yeah. and, and, and everything yeah. that happens. But yeah. I think after that, I was like, do you know what? I need a break for a minute. And I think sometimes the show is so dark for me, I needed to take a break for it for a bit. You used to hate the people who kept going on about breaking I did, bad. I did. Because it <laughs> yeah, was, then you became because, one of them. Because, because for, one of because, yeah. yeah, because for a long time, all the, although I loved all these shows, and I think Lion of Duty was a turn, although I loved the Lakes and Cracker and Coffee and Bodies... You and learned life. that you could love both British well, and no, American. But, yeah. but even though I loved all these, it used to annoy me that whatever you liked from the UK, and I think it's changing now, it was never cool enough. So if no. you'd watched all these and enjoyed it, it was never cool to like UK television. I feel like it's changing a bit now, but mm. at this point... Well, with Line of Duty was, and things like that. Line of Duty, Happy Valley, Peaky Blinders, all the ones people go on about. But it was ne- no point during all my years of binging on stuff. It was never cool to like UK stuff. I'd say, oh, I love this, and people would say, well... 
how come you don't like the Sopranos? And I go, oh, and, then, and I'd end up... And, you, and, and then, then you sit them down and force them to watch two no, series. No, I wouldn't, but I'd, end up, pre- I'd end up pretending that I'd watch the Sopranos because it was just, just easier, because... Yeah, you would. This I started one. watching a lot of American stuff first because it, you know, because we had Sky and because like Channel Four yeah. used to show quite a lot of it, and it was only sort of in recent years. That, I, I mean, the British stuff has started to improve. Oh, don't get me wrong. I went talking of, about in Inspector Lindley and things. Yeah, yeah. And Judge Whereas John like and all Ameri- the American shows we used to get, like you know, Twenty Four, Prison Break, exactly. ER, as I mentioned, yeah. on things like that. A lot of those to start off with were on the terrestrial channels and stuff before yeah. Sky, you know, Channel 4 had uh, lost and... Uh, well, there, yeah. there, was a, there was at that time where Sky literally took... Yeah, Channel 5 had push and break. I've met more people in my life when they speak about television, talk, you know, have more in common with Gary than they do with me because about most me? people... No, you're an oddity. Most, <laughs> most people, no, because it Who would have thought it, out of us I'd be the most normal? It, it is very, it is very rare because it was just never cool to to like UK stuff, and I feel like it's changing a bit. But that's why I did Breaking Bad. I'd done Homeland prior to it, and I don't know what made me do Homeland. I can't remember, but it was thanks to a football tournament that I started all these. The penultimate one, Gary had said in his podcast, in his list, that he looks back on Nordic Noir as enjoying it at the time, but not wanting to rewatch. And I, I can agree with that. And the next, the one I picked wasn't my first foray into foreign drama. I'd seen Hostages from Israel, and obviously the first series of The Return from France. But nothing hit me quite as hard as the first series of The Bridge did. I could have watched all ten of those in one go if somebody well, had kept course. supplying me yes. with sandwiches. What I loved about it was it was a great whodunit, which, as it turned out, had a satisfying conclusion. But each story carried on, but they also felt like individual stories at the same yeah. time. And I just thought, that's so clever. I, I watched the first series of The Killing subsequently, and it, although I could appreciate it and appreciate where it had come from, it didn't hit me in the same way. I think it is not only a great example of what Nordic Noir is, but it's a great example of a crime drama. It just surprised the hell out of me because it was just so so many twists and turns and it never got confusing and it wasn't self-indulgent. And as well, of course, it introduced us to, to, to Saga Noran, which is the the kind just of... Just an iconic character it, to me. Yeah, and, 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 and awkward and, and hard to get along with, but yet still very watchable and relatable. Series 3, which was the first one without... Uh, Martin, yeah. Uh, as it turned out, I thought was quite not quite on a par with one. But if I'd not seen all the Martin stuff, still a blooming good ten hours of crime. Well, drama. I think I think what they did was that they went away and they thought, right, well, we need to replace a big character like Martin. What do we do? And mm. what they did was they wrote storylines. Yeah, but well, I I, could, I don't understand that. But there was a reason why, mm-hmm. and they drip fed you that reason, and then oh, by about halfway through, ca- the... I will have to catch up with it. I never finished yeah. Borgen either. I suppose I'm waiting for a time. I'm waiting for a writer's strike, an apocalypse. That's not going to happen. I don't want to worry you, but if there's an apocalypse, the likelihood that you'll be sat there watching telly is... (laughs) But you know what I mean? I'm waiting for, like, you know, someone to break both my legs so I can't leave the house for a while. Something like that. I will pop round. Matt's got a week (laughs) off work. 
you mentioned that, yeah. Uh, but you know what I mean? And it's probably never going to happen. I'm probably never going to watch half the shows on my It's list. It's waiting for a rainy day, but when a rainy and, day comes, there's always yeah. something else. That, it's yeah, quite overcast at the that. minute, so... Taking away the fact that the the bridge is Nordic Noir, it's foreign, it's got subtitles, it's all irrelevant to me because it's just mm. a really well-crafted crime drama. It's better than than I any other fe- crime yeah. drama I've I ever seen. I just felt that series of The Killing was just the first one, definitely, the 20 episodes were so focused. I, and If I'd have seen mm. them in the order they were supposed to I be, think like The, the Killing first. was almost a bit too much, whereas The Killing felt more authentic, if that makes sense. When I watched yeah, The I Killing, I, I, when I, I, I watched I, The Killing, I realised how fast-paced The Bridge was. Yeah, because The, yeah. killing, the yeah. killing takes its time, doesn't it? Yeah. Over those 20. Certainly the first series. We guessed Gary's final one. Uh-huh. We're kind of up to present day, and it's not a UK show. I'm sure American. Matt knows. Well, I, I would yeah. get the Americans. Based yeah. on the amount of the time that you go on about it's it. It's vinyl. It's vinyl. It's a swerve. Ah, <laughs> uh, no. Vinyl. Bobby Carnavale plays a record producer. <laughs> who, also, uh... also, also, and I know this is slightly news, but vinyl was picked up for a second series mm, after its first episode. It. has now been cancelled. Can we just clarify, it isn't final. I was being comedic. Uh, It's a show, as Matt quite rightly predicted, and Gary quite rightly predicted, The Americans, which is one of the few American shows that Matt and I enjoy, and Gary sort of, for whatever reason... I've seen the first series. Yeah, yeah. No, I know, but it's rare for Matt and I to love an American show. I think the other problem is now is it's gone on to ITV Uncle, which I don't have. Yeah, which which unfairly... Being, a, being, you know, because that's the Sky thing. Nobody else can access, which is really unfair. Although, this... if you want to watch Houdini and Doyle and the Frankenstein Chronicles, it's the only place to go. <laughs> can we not have Houdini and Doyle and the Frankenstein Chronicles as part of my list MP3, please? Thank you. Um, <laughs> the Americans, again, on paper, I shouldn't like it. It sounds daft. It's about Soviet spies in the 1980s who who live a life, you know, as Americans, heads the title. They have young children who are fully assimilated and American as far as they're concerned. They leave them alone at night and go out and do all these crazy things. And on paper, I should go, how ridiculous. It's about as far away from Cracker One thing I've always wondered about the Americans is why of any profession they chose to be travel agents when well, they're out a lot at night, couldn't they pick this, a job? They, they could have been like, like working that, nights in a factory or something like mm, that, couldn't mm, they? Mm, I don't know why they'd, you know, why I suppose, they'd travel I suppose agents. then it's a case of, well, what what is the most, you know, unlikely job for a spy to have? And you mm. can sit there and think about it for hours and then they've got travel agent. Oh, yeah, I suppose so. In a link to Breaking Bad where Walter White's um, brother-in-law, uh, Hank, is a... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. F- yeah. FDA agent, then you've got in the Americans uh, Stan Beeman moving next door with his family who is an FBI agent. The reason I like this so much is because we're four series in now, it doesn't feel like it's dropped off a cliff at any point, which I associate with a lot of American shows where you go, oh, series two was my favourite and then it went ridiculous at the end, or series four was... Do you think that has something to do with the fact that these are shorter series they're 13 episodes or the last two series have been 13 and they are concise and they follow an arc and they and that's it and then they're back next year for an, for another two you immerse yourself in the world when you're watching it and and the most incomprehensible things become cons- comprehensible because of the way it's handled 
it feels completely genuine and completely real and I adore it and I think what they're doing now involving young daughter Paige played brilliantly by Holly Taylor is just enhanced the show no end these are Luke's Desert Island dramas are you sure you don't want anyone to stay with you today yeah speak Russian We тебя очень любим, солнышко. She said we love you very much. I need to be alone. As Gary says, if you're a Virgin customer or a Freeview, you just can't see it, and it's such a shame that something it gets hidden away. Yeah, I don't I mean, understand the decision, but. I, I struggle with not being able to see Houdini and Doyle, like Matt says, but not being able to see this as well is almost heartbreaking. It was on my list for the longest time, and I think I think it's better that we've had differing lists because it lets us talk about yeah. more shows. You know, like we've all had Line of Duty, and me and Gary had The Wire, but it's good that we've had a, a varied uh, list. My list wasn't influenced by yours. Yours certainly wasn't influenced by anything. And, and Gary's list was his list, and it's all... As you said, the idea behind this being Desert Island Dramas is it's about as much as what as how this show has affected you yeah. and, and why you have picked it, as it is and, a great piece of television. And but again, the, break, the reason I picked Breaking Bad and, and The Americans is because they helped... There are other shows as well that I've watched from the States and really love, but those two I can watch and go, this isn't an American drama, just like to me The Bridge isn't a foreign drama. It's just a blooming good drama that I enjoyed. There's a few years ago, even when I was first doing the podcast, where I, I was wrong and I went, well, if it's American, I'm not really that bothered. And I just think, that was so stupid to be. And if it's foreign, oh, no, I'm not going to read it. You need to get a list together, you know. Well, no, I feel like I've done all the ones that I want to do, oh, and now I'm just so much more. Come I've on. done well. I've done the Nick, which I thought was superb with Clive Owen. I've done the Leftovers with Justin Theroux, and thought, and that was about as far out of my comfort zone as a TV drama viewer as I can get. And I'm really looking forward to the final you series of that. Go watch Human Human Target next. That's your next project. And and then Rosalian Isles. There were too many Rosalian Isles, and I feel like now it's not about liking this it's just about appreciating what i've learned over the past few years is just appreciating great telly for great telly everywhere is capable of making great telly and who'd have thought i'd have been watching this in his and his an israeli show who'd have thought i'd be able to say that who'd have thought <laughs> <laughs> who'd have thought i'd point. be watching an israeli show and being absolutely hooked by it so that is our desert island dramas we always talk about the show's that we loved in the podcast Gary will always slide the West Wing in at some point so I wanted to give people the platform to talk about the shows they loved and that's why we've had to come all the way over to the desert island I'll basically be saying that after this point we're never allowed to mention those shows ever again on the podcast I think that would almost be impossible I think you'd get I think if I told you I think if we told you that you couldn't mention the West Wing you'd get West Wing Tourette's or the (laughs) X-Files Yeah. <laughs> anyway, download this and subscribe on iTunes because we will be back with our regular <laughs> with our regular podcast soon when telly improves. When Bye-bye. there's telly. When there's actually Bye. telly. Bye. 
These aren't ordinary dramas. These are desert island dramas. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes for the latest episodes of the Custard TV podcast. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.